0: Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. okay welcome to a new episode of the thrive podcast today i have a very inspiring woman with me her name is holly deering she's originally from the us and is now living in germany Holly is a certified doula or birth assistant who is now working as a holistic mom coach who helps moms to feel like a person again, to remember who they were before they were moms, to feel healthy and strong, enjoy time with their husbands and put an end to feeling overwhelmed, underappreciated and stressed out. Holly herself has had her fair share of motherhood experiences. Not only is she a mom of five kids, but she has also been a foster parent to three other kids. She's an adoptive mom, special needs mom, and a an U.S. Air Force wife. Wow. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Thrive Podcast, Holly. How are you? Fine. I'm doing great today. That's so great to hear. Um, I'm so you know excited to have you here t- with us today because... Um not only are we going to talk of course about some of the experiences that you've made let's say during motherhood but really um you know look at the you know journey of a woman because you have had such a let's say a really a fair share of your experiences that um I think have had a quite you know big impact on on your personal journey right so I mean, children have definitely uh, shaped a large part of your life so far. I think that's fair to say.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And I think anyone can see just like from the short introduction, you know, where you would get all the really experience from to help mothers, you know, with almost any, you know, challenge that they might be having with their parenting or motherhood experience. And so um, where, I mean, where did your story actually start? You know, what was what was your upbringing like, and um, maybe also, you know, what what were some of the the images that you maybe indirectly got told about being a
1: woman?
2: Mm, that's a good question. Um, I was raised in the U.S. in New Mexico, so the dry south, and I am the oldest of six kids, mm. so um, always from a big family, always the Person who helps take care of things, and mm-hmm. I know that really shaped my personality. Um, we were all homeschooled growing up, which mm-hmm. I know is very unusual to hear about in Germany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, becoming familiar with the, the different laws in different countries now. Um, and so I, uh, I was a very social person. I always have been, but it was more difficult being homeschooled, I think, um, in that. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
2: and so it was, it was kind of a a struggle for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, um, kind of the image of motherhood, I always saw, um, my own mom is amazing, but I always saw the idea that whether it was true or not, but that she needed to set aside everything else Mm -hmm. and focus on raising us, um, focus on our schooling um, and, you know, running a household with um, eight people in it. And um, for a good deal of the time growing up, my grandparents either lived very close to us or Mm -hmm. in the same house, Mm. um, which I guess is sort of more of a German kind of thing, the (laughs) multi-generational... house um but that was that was how we grew up with my mom's parents living in like a separate portion of our house Mm.
0: did your mom ever go to work or she has always been a stay-at-home mom
2: she she worked some when i was very young so i remember um she actually was in the air force the united states air Mm. force when i was very young and um I remember her going to um I guess boot camp and mm-hmm. um tech school, all these things where you go and you, you know, you're immersed and you learn all the things.
1: Yeah.
2: And um I remember her being away and being with my dad um for a short time and then times when she and my dad would go for um they did sort of part-time military yeah. for a while, uh the National Guard. And so I'd remember staying with my grandparents then. Mm. Um, But, and then that idea that I guess if a mom works, then her kids feel sad that they're being left behind. Just kind of that, seeing that from one perspective, but then that was it. That was my only little glimpse of it because it stopped by the time I was, Oh, maybe six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. So I just had the perspective of a six-year-old,
1: yeah, I guess, on it.
2: And um, then after that, she, my mom, hasn't worked since. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and she's now in the stage of life that she's caring for um, her aging father, and um, and yeah. So it's it's hard to see that now at my perspective that Mm -hmm. she's kind of set aside everything Mm -hmm. in caring for others
0: well and now look I mean like you said I mean when we grow up that's the perspective right that is that is recorded in our mind but when you compare your your journey now to your mom's journey are there any parallels
2: Uh, I feel that I have kind of set aside a lot of things um or the possibility of things I guess Mm -hmm. um but I know that at like as technology advanced back when my mom was raising us she um she had the internet and that sort of thing as it came out you know as it got Mm -hmm. more popular and she was able to you know meet people um make more connections because she, I think, is is a bit of an introvert as well or Mm -hmm. extrovert very much. She would talk to the telemarketers back when you would get telemarketers calling you on the phone. Um, And so there was that. And then she was always learning something new. Mm -hmm. So even if she wasn't doing formal schooling, which she did for a very short period of time, I guess, um, when I was young, she did some night classes But, um, yeah, once the internet came out, she was always learning something new, whether it was vegetarianism or raw food for dogs, um, or, um, barefoot running, all kinds of things, um, that she kind of came upon ahead of the curve Mm -hmm. because now a lot of those things have become much more mainstream, um, or have had their, their time. And uh she did them I think before uh they caught yeah. on, really.
0: And what did what conclusion did you drive from, let's say, your childhood experience about, you know, what your life would or should should look like for you as as, as I mean, as a woman?
2: Yeah. Um, I think for a long time I had kind of just accepted that Or I had the idea that I should homeschool my kids because I myself Mm -hmm. was homeschooled and that worked out well enough for me. So I should um, that I should stay home um, with my kids and not pursue anything outside of that. um, And I sort of had a shift, I think, um, when I realized that the kids that I have. Mm -hmm. are not the same as the kids my mom had. Mm. Um, Especially in that being an adoptive mom, um, what may have worked for my mom did not uh, work for us. The things, for one, I was the oldest child in my family. And in my family now, um, my oldest has been adopted from hard places. He's come from a background that just has shaped him in a very different way and he is not the, he's not me clearly. (laughs) Nobody could ever be me because you know, I'm me, but um, it's not the same level of maturity. It's not the same level of responsibility that Mm -hmm. he could handle. And um, so what I have is so different that um, we've used different things. We've done, um German public school for a time
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and that was wonderful and Then we've used some American public school for a time, and that's been very good also um so kind of changing my views on that mm-hmm. has been just a process, i guess mm-hmm.
0: and how difficult was yeah. that for you first of all to to realize those maybe patterns. And then, to actually you know change them for you to get to a level where you actually feel good about them more comfortable
2: mm. it it was interesting in the beginning um like I was almost ashamed like mm-hmm. there's there's a homeschooling culture, and it's not a bad thing, but you know there are certain groups or people that believe that it's the absolute best, and that's what you should do mm-hmm. and Than me realizing uh, I'm not doing that I had the same um, feeling when we decided to pursue a diagnosis for my oldest child um, due to safety issues really Mm -hmm. and then through that we ended up using medication for a time for some of his um, challenges and that was really that same kind of thing that I'm very much in like the the natural mom community. A lot of times the homeschooling kind of goes along with that. Mm-hmm. And so having that break in who I viewed myself to be and then but yeah, I'm I'm giving my son Adderall or mm-hmm. Concerta or whatever of these um medications are recommended. And it it was um it was something that I had to kind of sit with and realize that, okay, I'm doing that. And who have I judged Mm -hmm. internally, maybe not out loud, maybe very quietly, um, for doing some of these same things uh, or for doing other things that I assume are right or Mm -hmm. the best. Um, I've been very, um, very active in, you know, the natural birth community mm-hmm. or, uh, breastfeeding support mm-hmm. as a LLH league leader in the past and all this. And even though I know many of the issues that can, you know, impact a mom during pregnancy and birth that can make, you know, all these other things necessary
1: mm-hmm.
2: or needed, um, in the back of my mind, I know I still would at times judge, um, mm-hmm. And then just kind of being able to sit with that and uh, realize it. Some of it I even came across, you know, even farther into it, reading a book by Gabby Bernstein, Mm. Bernstein. Yeah. Um, The Judgment Detox Mm -hmm. and realizing like, as I was reading that book, I was at a park talking to some women and one of them mentioned the friend who's going in for an induction or a planned cesarean. And Mm -hmm. as a doula, it, it just kind of, you know, stirs things up. And I'm like, but, you know, I don't know all the reasons. Yeah. And she may have very good reasons. And even if she doesn't, it's not my experience and it's not my birth. Um, and I can only do what's best for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that changes from minute to minute. Um, and I see that more now with the whole changing from homeschooling and almost even trying to hide it from the homeschooling groups. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is ridiculous you know um but it just it just is um but in your opinion that- what what was
0: or what what was and what is you know the picture let's say of of a great mom i don't want to say perfect mom because I don't want to support Mm. this kind of idea that something like that actually exists. But for you, you know, what would have been the ideal version of a mom for you before? What would she, what would she had needed to do? That was very bad English, but I hope you got
2: my question. Oh no, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I would say probably a lot like the things that my mom did with, staying at home and homeschooling and all that kind of thing. But then I, I also see, you know, or her dealing with postpartum depression mm-hmm. and not to say that it's because of whatever choices she made that led to it, but that just because you're doing all the things that are right, quote unquote,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, it there are things that can come up and make it still very hard and that you may need to make different choices in order to, better support yourself. I think it was really when I was dealing with, um, postpartum depression and anxiety after my last baby, that that was when I took my kids to the German school. Mm. Um, like literally I I had my, um, two or three month old infant strapped to my chest and uh, one in a stroller and three walking with me. And we walked to the headmistress of the local elementary school across the street. And that woman, she she took pity on me. Um, and, and because I, I told her that I was homeschooling, which because we're American military, that is legal and that is okay here in the country of Germany. But it's still horrifying, <laughs> um, I think, to someone who is in the German school system because it's not normal. Yeah. Um, and she she made room. She said, yeah, we can take them they start on Friday. So um, she really saved me at a time that I needed it and I think if I hadn't been that desperate, I don't know if I would have made that choice, but I'm very glad that I did. but that idealized like all of the things are being knocked off that I'm not, I'm not cleaning my house myself. Yes, I clean. But when I got here, I hired someone to come and clean my house because I had resisted that for so long. You know, my mom didn't hire somebody to clean the house. My dad himself was the um, custodian or groundskeeper of a public school. And so the idea of hiring somebody to do the job that I should be doing uh It was really hard and uh, but then again I was the one who was doing a lot of the cleaning growing up Mm -hmm. me and my sister Mm -hmm. and my brothers because you know we were able to especially me and my sister um, just as the oldest Mm -hmm. the younger ones you know they were messing around doing whatever being boys and playing Um, but just feeling that responsibility so in my family I don't have that oldest Mm -hmm. to rely on and I know how it feels to be relied on in that way and we've been so blessed financially where we are that I can afford it and so Mm -hmm. just realizing that I think it's worth it so doing that hiring someone that's worth it allowing my kids to be taught by somebody else that's worth it because I don't think that's my strength
1: Mm. really
2: um that there are people and now i'm realizing within the past year when we moved to the american school system
1: mm-hmm.
2: there there is a team of experts that is required or that is what could be used to give my oldest the best that mm-hmm. he, chance that he can have and i am not a team mm. of experts that can devote every minute to tailoring a set of curriculum to where he is and helping him learn in the best way he can as well as taking care of four other kids and teaching them so some of these people that that is their only job is my son Mm -hmm. um, or at least for the time that he's assigned to them and um, it's a big job so just taking a step back and realizing I don't have to be all of it, I don't need to be um, releasing that control, Mm -hmm. I think.
0: And I love that you're mentioning this because I think this is so hard. It's been hard for me, myself also, like just asking for help. And like you said, realizing for yourself that, or better said, giving yourself the permission that, you know, Mm -hmm others can help you others can do parts of the job for you you don't have to do it all you don't have to be be this quote-unquote perfect uh, in everything that you do and um, I loved also the fact that you mentioned you know you're not the team of experts and so Mm -hmm. focus on really what your strength is And I'm curious if if you would be uh, willing to share a little bit about this postpartum depression, because Mm -hmm. I think it's also a very important topic and not so much talked about. And so I'm just curious, you know, to hear um, what was going on in that, like in that period of time when you had it, like what was, I mean, I don't know if you can pinpoint what was causing it, but, you know, just letting us a little bit in into, you know, what what were the thoughts? What was going on inside of you?
2: Okay. Um, I was never officially diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in for my son, my youngest son's six-week checkup. Mm-hmm. And at that, they the doctor gave me a questionnaire to fill out about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I answered the questions. And when she got it back, she was kind of quiet. She said, you really meet a lot of the criteria for possibly um, – something like postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's fine. And, and I just finished the appointment and I left. Um, and it was a very stressful time. Mm -hmm. We had just moved to Germany from America, Mm -hmm. um, about, Oh, three or four months before. Mm -hmm. So we had moved when I was pregnant, about seven months pregnant, then with the four kids, um, we had gone through some issues with the military. They felt that my son needed, my oldest son needed a lot more, um, needed very specific services that Mm -hmm. had been suggested as a possibility, but we hadn't utilized because they didn't really seem to fit with what he had going on. Mm -hmm. But because they had been on the paperwork, that showed up, caused red flags. So we had dealt with a lot of... um, bureaucracy and a lot of fighting to try to even get here Mm -hmm. and then once we were here they said well maybe you're bad parents maybe you're negligent and so then we were investigated it it was a, a really big um it was very difficult so we got through that and it was found that it did not meet any of the criteria for being negligent so it was thrown out which was great except I was seven to eight months pregnant, trying to find a house and incredibly stressed because of all of that. Um, What,
0: what did that actually make you feel like that's that, you know, um, I like just from, from what, from what I, you know, from the little things that I know about you, it seems like you're very, um, how to say that you're uh, not uh, ambitious. Ambitious is not the right word, but You know, you have the priority to, you know, give the best to your kids. And then somebody Mm -hmm. comes around the corner and says, hey, you're a negligent mom or you're a negligent, you're negligent parents. Like, what was that like for you?
2: It it was terrifying, um, especially knowing that. um, And I didn't think that it would get to that the point, I think, that if they had found that we were. The only thing they would have done was maybe send us to some kind of classes and make us do, I'm not clear on it. But in my mind, we had come from being foster parents and I had seen the other side of the system. I had Mm -hmm. seen children being taken from parents because they were, in fact, perhaps truly negligent. And so in my mind, I'm thinking they're going to take my kids. Mm -hmm. They're going to find out that I'm planning a home birth, which is legal, Mm -hmm. but Um, the American system doesn't always look favorably on that and thinking they're going to find out about that and they're going to, you know, do something. Mm. Um, so that fear was there. And then, like you said, I, I don't want to say that I pride myself on it, but I, I really try to learn as best I can how to do the best I can for my Mm. kids. Um, And I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm constantly working to, you know, search out things that might be useful. Mm -hmm. And then when they tell me that, you know, these things that I don't think were useful are required. And if I don't do them, I might be a bad parent that they're going to come and interfere. It was just really um, it was terrifying. So we got through all of that and finished that up, I think, in September moved into a new house, new country. And then I had a baby in October. Um, and it, it, a long story, but the midwife was late and, um, about five days late. And so, um, because we were flying her in from Uganda because all of the midwives locally were not available. Um, yeah, it was, Oh my
0: God, I've never heard this, that you flew in a midwife.
2: Yes. So it was, it was a mess. So I ended up having an unplanned, unassisted home birth. By Um, yourself? My husband was there and, um, my kids were in the living room watching tv and the electrician came by to check the power box but oh my god we got him to leave right before this and is... now every year on my son's birthday that electrician <laughs> comes oh by. my god this sounds
0: better than than some movie storyline like this is incredible how did you make that happen <laughs> i mean i mean so you know weird. you know what to do but i think like having a baby myself like in that situation you're not at the best you know moment where you're good at thinking clearly and staying focused and how did you make that happen i i was
2: being in the dual world in the natural birth world and i've always just been a little bit skeptical or very controlling maybe Mm -hmm. um And the idea of putting myself completely in the hands of medical professionals that I don't know because I didn't have,
1: you
2: know, a lot of prenatal care with any of the systems here. Um, I had a little bit at one of the German hospitals, but then the idea of not speaking the language, not being able to know what they were doing, um, and to even be able to decline or say yes or whatever, that was also scary. So. That and not having childcare, or not having childcare, I felt I could fully trust with my daughter who wasn't even two yet. Yeah, um, I was just like, I can't, I can't leave them. I don't know anybody um, to watch them that I trust, and then I don't know how she would do with us leaving. And and I think looking back, I know that some of that irrational fear that you get when you're pregnant. I I have had clients and friends, one who was completely sure that her dog had worms and she was going to give worms to her two-year-old and the two-year-old was going to get, like, it was a whole irrational thing. And she was positive. Um, And I I remember that. And I'm like, okay, I'm remembering there's weird stuff um, or that, you you know, you believe you're going to die during childbirth and and not be there for your two-year-old and you're sure of it. And so you're terrified. It's these weird irrational things that come up. Um, and so (laughs) I could see that that was part of, part of it, but in it, um, that was just where I was. And I had already ordered the birth kit for the midwife, Mm -hmm. um, but we couldn't really change the tickets. Um, Uganda isn't that flexible, I think with their airlines. (laughs) And so, um, she was an American missionary that had trained with the midwife who had delivered my firstborn and, It just seemed easier. She wouldn't have jet lag in the same time zone. Um, so she was going to come for two weeks from week 39 to 41, which seemed really reasonable based on, you know, my previous pregnancies. But instead my son has just, he's been a surprise from the time he was conceived. And I found out about him. He was just completely surprising. Um, different than anything else. And I kind of think his purpose in our family is to show me I don't know everything that I think I know. Mm. I I think that's his purpose. Um,
0: And I think like really um, it's not that we parents are, let's say, given to the children in that sense, but uh, to, you know, learn. But vice versa like we're given the children that we need in order to you know grow or overcome whatever we need to yeah in order to move on that's like my personal take so
2: yeah he he is something else he's a wonderful little boy but he is um a strong and very much a 3-year-old at this point but all through finding out I was pregnant a week before we found out we were moving to Germany and um a month after moving into a smaller house yeah. back in america um he he's just been a very surprising little boy but um yeah going into labor at 38 weeks and 2 days um in ikea i think but i tried to to play it off and hope that it wasn't so um but i mean yeah
0: so many th- i mean like just from what you've said i mean one can understand why like this has caused you so much stress, but then when would you say, did you come to like the lowest point?
2: Mm. I think that was probably that first winter in Germany. Um, and I think part of it was being here away from family and friends, um, and not having that support system. And I, I had some friends, but it was more difficult to make them here. Um, not knowing where anything was and that kind of thing. Um, And just barely getting settled. But then once I had him, this anxiety kicked in. And I was terrified. It was sort of an anxiety of not being sure of where I was going and how to park and how to drive in Germany. But then doing it with four noisy kids and one screaming newborn who screamed anytime Mm -hmm. I was in the car. So the idea of driving on the Audubon with five kids, one of which is a screaming newborn it terrified me. So I was the first day I left the house alone driving with him. It was just me, the baby and the midwife. I was driving Mm -hmm. her to the train station. Um, In that drive, I swiped the side of my house with my car because I forgot which way to pull out of my driveway. I drove the wrong way down at least one street and then I backed into a car, a parked car that was bright red. Um, and then I got to wait for the eye and do all the appropriate things. And the man was very gracious and the insurance covered it. But my only thought is, what if the baby wakes up?
1: Mm. Like, that's what I'm
2: standing there thinking with the eye standing there and the man whose car I hit. And all I can think is, what if the baby wakes up? What if he wakes up? And um, I have to get home before he wakes up. And uh, I don't think I even realized it then, but as it went on, um, I think having that, filling out that survey in the doctor's office, you know, six weeks later, and um, I I called the doctor's office, and I, I think I was in tears, and I said, I am hearing something about vitamin D and low vitamin D, you know. Mm-hmm causing mood issues and things. I think I really need an appointment to get that checked. And, and they're like, well, we can offer you an appointment. And I'm like, but I can't go to that appointment because I have five kids. One of which is a baby who's going to scream in the car. I can't get to an appointment because they're going to be running around the office and I don't have childcare. And so I guess I can't make an appointment. And I was about to hang up when they told me that they could just call it into the lab. I could just drive to the lab whenever I could have it done. And no appointment needed Mm -hmm. and so I did Um, and that once I found out what my levels were which were fairly low um, and they prescribed me a fairly high dose and I felt the difference I think that was part of when I realized how bad I had been feeling Um, and that wasn't until I think probably March February, March and he was born in October. Would so it, that whole
0: would you say it has time. been mainly this anxiety about um him crying and like the feeling that it would provoke in you or was it was it other things that also contributed or that you that you <sighs> felt like that that brought you to this point where you were just like, you know, I, I can't it anymore
2: yeah I think it was I I'm trying to think if it was that first winter and yeah I think it was it was in January right after the baby was born that I from October to January we put the kids into German school um, and part of that was that my oldest was having some behavior issues and it got to the point where I just felt like I couldn't watch him enough. Mm. Like he was, and looking back now, I almost wonder, I see my oldest, his biological sister, my 10 year old, and then my youngest, who's Mm
1: -hmm. my
2: interesting little guy. I see all three of them as sort of sensitive children, Mm -hmm. but not in that, oh, you looked at me funny. I'm going to cry. But I can tell that my mom is feeling anxious or scared or sad Mm -hmm. and I see that and I put it back out, but it doesn't look like that. It looks like stealing things, hiding them, eating Mm -hmm. them, using dangerous objects, raging, um, and, and various kinds of things for each of them. And I wonder if that's part of what it was. He was... And for all I know, he could have been low in vitamin D. We probably all were. We got sick a lot that first winter, Mm -hmm. which didn't help things. I think that different set of germs, no sun, um, being in the cold, it was just very different for us coming from um, Louisiana, where we had been. So, yeah, I think getting them into the school that helped a lot getting the vitamin D and realizing what the difference was between feeling slightly normal and not Mm -hmm. Um, and getting past that first. Oh, I don't even know. Six weeks, eight weeks. um, I'm now at the point where I can listen to Megan trainer again. And Mm -hmm. that just sounds weird. But when my youngest was born from the time he was like two to three weeks old until he was, eight weeks, 10 weeks. I'm not really sure where, because I can't Mm -hmm. really remember. He just cried Mm. and mostly at night. And I would have to put him in a carrier and dance around with him to Megan Trainor's album. So we'd be singing all about the bass, like at 2 AM quietly, not to wake everybody else. Um, and like sometimes hearing those songs would give me flashbacks, even yeah. when he was one or two. Um, now I can finally hear them and kind of just enjoy the music for the fun of it. But remembering it was just it was the sleep deprivation. Um yeah. the and, constant And, all and this of is it.
0: this is like something that really anybody listening who's who hasn't had kids yet This is like a serious thing (laughs) because if if, I mean, if if you're only living off of a couple of hours a day and you let's say you have to function during the day, Mm -hmm. um, you know, your body never, never relaxes. It never recovers. You can't recharge your batteries. And it's like you're on constant survival mode, let's say emotionally, not only physically, Mm -hmm. but also emotionally, because you just don't have time to just recharge a little bit. And uh, I know from my own experience that, you know, it can. this can get very nasty, like for yourself and for your whole environment, just because it's just this level of exhaustion that you lose control. And would you say that that experience or have you ever experienced throughout, you know, your journey of of life, of motherhood, of, you know, being a wife, that you ever came to that moment where you actually... Let's say lost yourself where you didn't know who Holly was anymore.
2: I think in there, yeah, probably so. Um, during that time I'm there are things I'm not sure I totally remember at that point. Um and I think that a little bit there was a little of that back when we were foster parenting and I had um I had five kids as a foster parent. It was only for three or four days, but I can't remember those days. Um, I had, no, I had four kids. I had four kids for three or four days. And it was two three-year-olds, a one-year-old, and a newborn. And that was, and I was preparing two of them to move on to their family because they were being reunited. Mm. Um, and then getting ready to welcome another child once they left and that, that was a really difficult experience and that I didn't have all the hormonal things going on. So that was a little different, but it still had some of the sleep deprivation and, um, that those levels of stress. And so, yeah, I I can see that that's where I get, I think, especially with the lack of sleep, Mm. it's really important. Um, When I was in that space, I think I had a little bit more options. I had people I could ask to help with the kids. I think here with, um, my youngest and being an infant, I was afraid to let anybody else keep him. Um, and I have had that fear with all of my, well, I I think I've had that fear with all of my babies, including my daughter through adoption. Um, And that was, I think, a little bit from the visitation that we had to do with um, her first mom and nothing bad about her. And I have come to see the situation with my children and their first mom very differently through the years. Um, But that experience of leaving this baby that I've bonded with and I see as my own with this other woman that Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure that I trust totally because the state doesn't say that they trust Mm -hmm. and, and just have to drive away and leave. Um, And so then after that, I guess I never really left them with anybody.
1: Um, Mm.
2: And not until they were a bit older, say age one, age two, maybe in the church nursery. Um, But I never thought I would leave them you know, like a daycare or a preschool or anything, that sounded like crazy to me. That sounded like being a bad parent.
0: And so when di- when did you realize, you know, um, Holly has somehow, you know, drifted apart?
2: Yeah. Um, I think part of it, I didn't realize how much until my husband told me that he didn't think he could even consider having any more kids Because of how it affected me. Um, And I didn't realize that it was such a dramatic thing. Mm -hmm. Until trying to see it through his perspective. Um, And that was kind of a a hard thing to see. But What um,
0: did you see then? If you don't mind sharing.
2: Well, that that he saw it as being so detrimental to our family and to my health. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And, and I mean, it wasn't a physical issue. Pregnancy is really not a big, not a lot of health issues, Mm -hmm. nothing. If I was able to have a a healthy and safe, unassisted, unplanned home birth, then everything worked okay physically. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But um, mentally and emotionally, it just was not, a great experience.
1: Yeah.
2: I could handle the pregnancy, but after that, um, it just really got hard.
0: And what helped you get back
2: to yourself? Mm. I think taking those steps, asking for help, um, making sure I had someone to come and clean the house. The first lady quit. I feel she. I kind of <laughs> scared her maybe. Um, I don't know. Probably not. I think she had other things going on, but um, finding a new cleaning lady who has since mm-hmm. become a friend, um, asking for help with the German schools and the German kindergarten, being able to make some connections and support groups.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there is a, a mom's um, breastfeeding group here that really was very supportive. And so being able to go and be with other moms who had kids of the same age and um understood that I would probably be late and my kid would probably be crying and so on. Um, it, But it was okay because everybody else was too. Mm. Um, so finding my people,
1: mm-hmm. I
2: think it, it made a difference. Um, and then just slowly kind of coming out, realizing that I think I was better able to handle his crying in the car once I got my vitamin D levels a little bit better and I was not as sleep deprived. So it slowly got better. Um, because even my parents were worried when they saw me, you know, make a video on Facebook and they're like, is there something wrong? It doesn't, you Mm -hmm. don't look right. And I think that was because I looked pale and ghostly. Um, but probably also the circles under my eyes, um, it, and i feel that i kind of missed out on a lot of the enjoyment of my youngest in particular because it was mm. just trying to survive at some point mm. which wasn't fair to him
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i wonder you know the interplay between that the if i'm in that state not being able to you know appropriately mirror his emotions and responses back at him the way that you do in a healthy mom and baby pair Mm -hmm. but i also know i can't blame myself for that um and he is who he is and i am who i am and we work at connecting now
0: and i think this is a very important point like regardless whether you're a mom or you know A woman in general or just a person, you know, you're just you're 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 challenged with something. You're struggling with something and you're just, you know, you're hanging in there. It's like you're doing the best you can Mm -hmm. in that moment. Yes. And, um, you know, if if the circumstances were different, if you would have more energy, you would be doing then the next best thing. Mm -hmm. But so just to realize and to, you know accepted that you are doing the best you can yeah. to, the, to the abilities that you have in that moment. And, you know, I think most of the times it's those expectations that we, mm-hmm. that we have for ourselves that are killing us emotionally. Yep. And um, like we, we talked about in the beginning, you know, um, your realization that, you know, you don't have to um, home parent. You don't have to clean everything. You don't have to do A, B, C, D, whatever, X, Y, Z, in order to, to be a great mom. I think, you know, what many people don't realize and what I've learned from my own experience is, like, if you're being, uh like, you know, a, a c- you, if if you become conscious about yourself and you're just being present as the most conscious self that you're able in that moment. This is the best mom. This is the mm-hmm. best wife. This is the best partner that you will be. It it doesn't have anything to do with the things that you literally do. It's mm-hmm. by you being, you know, in your presence and in your, let's say, self-awareness. This is my point of view.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I've come to see that I need to know that I'm doing my best and then live with that. But also to realize, well, what if my kid is doing his best? Mm -hmm. And then sit with that a little bit. And not to excuse things that, you know, are completely inappropriate or whatever, based on the age of the kid, but, and that they can learn to do better. But what if they aren't trying to drive you crazy? What if they are trying and they're doing their best?
0: This is very powerful.
2: I think so. So I try to remind myself of that. Today was the first day of summer vacation Mm -hmm. with five kids. So (laughs) all of them are home.
0: No, yeah. And I think, you know, the same, let's say, compassion that Mm -hmm. we need to give ourselves. You're right. We need to give to our kids. And if I just may share a a personal thing or Mm -hmm. experience, because um, I was super sleep deprived myself when, when I had my baby. And, you know, there was just one night where I was just like, you know, I was so exhausted. I just couldn't anymore. And then mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, grabbing him. And I was like, why don't you let me sleep? You know, why won't you let me sleep? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was so, so pissed off and so frustrated. <laughs> and then eventually I would get back to sleep. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, what the fuck just happened sorry but you know (laughs) he is just a little baby he was I don't know really like three months two months old or so he he -hmm. was born he 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 depends his his survival depends on me like Mm -hmm. I'm his I'm his source of survival right he doesn't know you know what sleep is when to sleep how to sleep when to eat whatever and Mm -hmm. so he has no bad intention for me Yeah, like he wants to sleep he's having problems to fall asleep and I'm here like blaming him mm-hmm. as if as if he would do it like on purpose or you know yeah. Yeah. And this is just not true that's why I love this the statement that you or the question that you just said you know what if my kid is doing their best really and that's yeah. just really what it is
2: yeah, because I don't think anybody really chooses to do less than that in most cases. Maybe some, but I really think we we are trying to do the best we can with what we've got. And maybe we don't have the same resources that everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're playing with a deck that's missing a few cards, but um, we're doing our best. Yeah.
0: And so what do you think, um, Looking looking back on everything that you've been through, like in your opinion, what is the power of a woman?
2: Mm. I think we, we shape society in that we are usually the primary caregivers, if mm-hmm. not a co-caregiver, um, but we are uniquely positioned to raise men to be good men And women to be good women and people just to be good people, Mm. um, to be kind and give people the benefit of the doubt and, you know, ask, do you think maybe they're doing the best they can? Um, and to help them know that they can always learn to do better. I think that that's the power of a woman and whether she chooses to become a mother or not, I think we can still impact those in our communities, um whether that's, you know, through your job, through your church, through being a foster parent, whatever, Mm. um, we have that ability to show kindness and encourage others to, you know, do their best and offer compassion. That's really nice.
0: And And what would you say is, you know, the strength Like also looking at it from a military, you know, perspective, because I imagine, you know, um, being in the military, you know, your life become or is dictated a lot. by what the military Mm -hmm. wants, where they want you to be for the time Um, also in especially like if 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 I understand correctly, your husband is in the military. Mm -hmm. And so as a wife, you get even a lesser saying Mm -hmm. in, in all of that. And you mentioned on your website that, you know, um, they expect of you really, you know, don't bring him down by complaining and like, you know, um, yeah, don't, don't basically don't, don't mess up his emotions because we need him to stay focused at work, Mm -hmm. right? So um, what is the toughest challenge there? And what do you think, um, you know, is the strength really of of a military wife?
2: Mm. I think the toughest challenge is usually a deployment. Um, Sometimes it can be something like shift work when he's still there, but he's not. Mm -hmm. So instead, he's not really there. You have to try to keep your kids quiet during the day when kids are not quiet. And then you have to do his laundry Mm -hmm. and then you still don't see him. I think that could be one of the hardest. And I'm thankful we haven't dealt with that a lot, but I see it in a lot of families just trying to get through the day and take the kids out of the house so that Mm -hmm. they can keep it as quiet as possible for him. Um, and I'm generalizing because there are female active duty members too. Um, and there are a lot of stay at home dads around here, but, um, that and deployments, um, my first, my first born child was born while my husband was gone. Mm -hmm. And that I think is one of the hardest things that, um, I've gone through. That um, and I see others going through it. I see you know women just holding their breath and waiting because they're forty weeks pregnant and he's supposed to be back. Is he going to be back in time? Um, but it it's hard i even if there isn't a pregnancy looming it's still I still see what I think of as the hollow shell person mm-hmm. walking around the base mall and you know the size of the Starbucks cappuccino kind of speaks to the lack of sleep and it's, it's hard. And I see them and I just want to acknowledge that. I think that, you know, for good or for bad, whatever, for that is a service to our country that we don't always recognize um, Mm -hmm. as an American. And I don't know how other countries deal with that sort of thing, you know, time away, but, Um, it can be a lot. And, and in those cases, it's often, um, you know, you, you shouldn't just dump it all on him when you get the chance to talk on Skype or FaceTime because, well, what can he do? And you're just going to make him feel bad, Mm -hmm. but he needs to go and work even if his job is working on computers and not necessarily with guns. Even still, he's supposed Mm -hmm. to be mentally in his job, um, so yeah it's uh, i think deployments are one of the biggest challenges um and they vary in length you know some are shorter than others but the the uncertainty of them and the uncertainty of military life it can be it can be hard and
0: what would you what kind of advice would you give to those women who you know feel like they're just walking around like a hollow shelf uh, self sorry
2: no. Yeah. Um, I think making the effort to connect, I know for myself, it was just a, how can I get through one more day? How can I get to bedtime? Hmm. How early can I go to bed? They can't tell time. So dinner's at four and bedtime's at six. Good night. Um, and just doing my best to get through each day. Um, I think having family members, if it's at all possible, a family member or a friend coming to spend some time. Um, some of mine came for extended visits, mm-hmm. which was great during our last one. And having my sister and my dad there, that really did help. Um, it gave me the ability to, you know, go out a little bit because I trusted my sister with I didn't even trust her with the baby really, but I trusted her with the other ones. And at least I felt that I could, you know, get out with my daughter who was, you know, four months, five months old at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And with the previous deployment, I, I just gave up and I drove home um, to my family and they, they graciously welcomed me and my three kids in and crammed us all in one room and, and we stayed there for the next four months. Um, so it's really like the power indeed. of
0: the social, um, yes. the social environment. And I mean, I think so. This I mean, this applies, I, I think, to everyone. Like I always uh, like to, you know, um, make people aware. You know, who are the people they're spending time with, and what energy are they giving mm-hmm. them, and. um Sometimes we take, you know, if we don't have, you know, let's say people available in our surroundings, we just take the easiest, let's say, uh, that we can connect with. But then they're, if they're not necessarily the people who give you, you know, positivity or uplift you, mm-hmm. um, it can even backfire. And so... um I yeah. think this point is very important that people become aware of, let's say, the quality of people they surround mm-hmm. themselves with and that they actually surround themselves with those kind of people.
2: Yes, it's a choice and, and you've got to do it. There, I think we had somebody, um, a friend brought us like Pedialyte and toilet paper once mm-hmm. when my husband was gone and we all had a terrible stomach virus and I could not leave the house and mm. she just brought it and left it on the front step. Um, there's there's a woman here whose son received a very serious diagnosis recently, and um, they they are a member of a mom's group that I'm mm-hmm. in, of military spouses, and the support from that has been unlike anything I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, this group of women has banded together and, and like, packed up this mm-hmm. woman's house, gotten everything together, taken her cat, and they have had to move very quickly to another country in order to get medical care. But that support system has just, Mm. it's been there. And I think it's very comforting to know that we have that. Um, But it's been cultivated within a group of friends who have become that family for each other Mm. because the family that we do have is so far away.
0: And so the last uh, thing that I also want to touch upon because, you know, throughout, let's say, um, your story, I mean, uh, one can realize that it has been quite challenging for you, you know, to actually give yourself permission to dedicate time to something of your own. And so I'm very curious, you know, how did coaching come into your life and when was the point where you actually you know gave yourself the space this permission to you know establish something for yourself
2: mm. it's a good one so during um during my husband's last deployment with my daughter who is five now she was um she was two months old. Um, at that point I had started, um, like a direct sales business Mm -hmm. sort of by accident. And that kind of was an outgrowth of other natural things that I'd been doing. Um, La league leader. So that's also sort of a coaching mentoring sort of a position. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I began to realize through all that, continuing with that aromatherapy, um, direct sales business, and then getting to, I think it was actually this year, that I read a book called The Big Leap Mm -hmm. by Gay Hendricks. And he asked in it, um, you know, as a child, what was your superpower? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: What did people either come to you for or need to tell you to stop doing Um, because you got annoying Um, And I realized that it was telling people what to do (laughs) or, you know, trying to get them to talk about it and help them, you know, maybe consider other options and make better choices. But make them feel like these were the right things for them Mm -hmm. if it was, in fact, something that could, you know, improve their lives. And it wasn't, you know, quite so thought out when I was six. But um, I realized that that's still what people come to me. Asking questions and, you know, whether it's, you know, this kid has something weird on his toe or, you know, my child can't sleep because they're having night terrors. And, you know, I think it might be emotional, but the doctor says whatever Um, all these kinds of things. I've had people, you know, leave me tearful messages saying that the time I spent with you sitting outside the food court meant more to me than, you know, the times I've been to the doctor recently and where I've told him, you know, what's going on and I just feel he didn't hear me. Mm. And, you know, you didn't give medical advice, but you you heard mm. and I felt understood. And that meant a lot. And um hearing that and realizing, yeah, I think that I, I've kind of rolled a lot of it together now. I'm exploring a lot of maybe um energy work and different things into the coaching because I see those tools as just all valuable ones mm-hmm. that, um, whether it's nutrition or aromatherapy, um, all kinds of things, because I think the more tools you have, the less you feel that you're in that desperate place where you can't think of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, being in the middle of the night, why won't you sleep? Could you please just go to sleep? Because mm. I really would like to sleep. Um, At the very least, you could do something, um, something that's safe and, you know, whether it's breathing exercises Mm -hmm. or an infant massage or whatever, something that could help you feel better, Mm. if nothing else, because that sometimes is really what you need.
0: Mm -hmm. And how do you feel now that you, you know, um, are having this space for yourself? That
2: yeah, I, I feel good about it. Um, I'm kind of in a little bit of, I guess, an expectation hangover right now because we were planning to move back to America. Mm-hmm. That was what it seemed we were going to be doing. Um, just based on you mm-hmm. know the information that we had gotten. And then I, as of right about the end of B school where mm-hmm. I met you, um, we were informed we were moving to Italy and, um, that's a great thing. I'm very excited. Um, Way better than (laughs) some of the options that we had. Um, Not naming any state names, but uh, it's it's a very big shift in that, okay, so building a business is going to look very different. Mm -hmm. Doing this kind of work, yes, I can do it online, and I can continue to do that, but in person, it's going to it's going to have to be more volunteer or more hosting free seminars or Mm -hmm. different things Mm -hmm. because of the laws of the country, excuse me. Um, and how they interact with, um, being an American station there. So, um, it's a different set of rules, even different than what they have in Germany. And, um, so I'm still kind of reeling a little bit, but I am glad to still know that I have that space. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: what does it mean for
2: you to have a thing? Yes. To have a thing that I can do. It's a way that I derive like a sense of satisfaction. Like Mm -hmm. I feel energized from interacting with others and, you know, positively impacting their life in some way. And so knowing that I can do that while, um, earning an income, just something that I can have for myself, um,
0: Do you think this is something that many um, moms somehow lack in their, in their motherhood journey because they're so focused on the kids?
2: I think sometimes we forget that there's, there's more. Mm -hmm. Um, And whatever that more is, you know, for you do it. If that means having the best birthday cakes at Mm -hmm. your kid's birthday party, and that's your thing, then do it. But if your more might be going and maybe getting a part-time job or um, deciding to run an income home daycare or whatever in order to, you know, have that interaction with other people or give your kids people to play with or earn an income for yourself so you don't feel that you're taking from the family's money in order to do things for mm-hmm. yourself, I think it's important.
0: If there was one message that you would like, um, you know, any woman to, to know who's listening, what would that message be?
2: Mm. I think that there are always options, mm-hmm. um, that I know we feel like we, you know, this is where I am. This is all I can do. Um, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Or this is the diagnosis my kid has. That's all I can do. That's what they said. And so that's all he can ever be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think there's always options. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of flack out there for Dr. Google and that kind of thing. But there's a lot out there. Um, and I think we can learn and try things because nothing's wrong with trying something new, learning, and um, and it's okay to change. It's okay to try new things. And What worked yesterday might not work today. Mm. And that's okay. Doesn't mean we were wrong. It just means that that's what was good then. And there may be a new good now.
0: And what would be three nuggets of wisdom, I like to call this, um, that if tomorrow, you know, everything would be gone, you would be gone. But all the experience that you've accumulated, all the insights that you've gained, what would be three pieces that you would like your six-year-old self to know about her life?
2: Mm. I think one that took me a long time to learn was that adoption can be trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a pretty statement, but I think it can be a very true one Mm -hmm. and not knowing it until now, until like this year has impacted my life in a very um, big way. Mm -hmm. Um, That judgment is, not a good thing that judgment just because you think it's the right way doesn't necessarily mean that you're right mm-hmm. and um yeah and that those are things that you you might need to look at um judgment I've realized I've even judged my husband for enjoying too long up a shower um and that sounds ridiculous um yeah and so that's that's something that and um enjoying things mm. remember to enjoy things whether it's physical pleasure or wonderful food or, um, beautiful things. Don't just, you know, try to take a picture for Instagram, actually experience it and enjoy it. And even if no one else saw that you were at the Eiffel tower, it does still count. Mm Um, it counts for you, maybe not for your followers and that's okay.
0: I love that. And so where can people find you and how can they work with you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, people can find me either on Facebook. I'm Holly K. Deering. Um, that's D E E R I N G. And I'm also online at hollykdeering.com.
0: Awesome. So everyone who's, you know, interested in, in working with Holly, go check out her website and, um, Thank you so much, you know, for giving us um, the possibility to have like such a deep look into, you know, your life story and everything that you've learned from it. I, I really hope that people will get a lot out of it. And I'm sure because, you know, we all somehow um, go through similar things, whether we're moms or, or uh, sisters or or whoever, you know, we all share those things even if we don't believe it sometimes, but you know, nobody's alone with what they're going through and so mm-hmm. I hope that it will give a lot of people comfort and you know just sometimes it's enough to know that you're not by yourself. And so yeah. thank you so much for that Holly. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Thrive podcast and spending your precious time with us. If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network, friends, and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question, or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash podcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.